Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. We are recording. Yep, yep, yep. Our hands are in the air. Our energy is high. Our vibrations are even higher. May the spirit guide us to podcast <laughs> Kingdominium. Okay, so ready? One, two, three. Hey there. Welcome to a special episode on She Builds Podcast. On this mini episode, we wanted to take a deep dive into an incredible resource that we have mentioned throughout the show. And it was created by our episode one lady, Milka Bliznakov, the International Archive of Women in Architecture. I'm Jessica Rogers, celebrating World Architecture Day out of Washington, D.C., and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Lizzie and Nergidi. I'm Nergidi Rivas, baffled with the state of the world from Houston, Texas. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey, I'm Lizzie Rar, coming to you from San Francisco. Happy October, everyone. It's the best month of the year. So just glad to be here with you, all of you during this time. Happy October to you, Lizzie. Yep. Yeah. Birthday girl. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, Norjury, would you like to give us a brief reminder of what the IAWA is? Yeah. Okay, so for a brief reminder of the IWA, back in episode one, when we talked about Mika Bliznakov, I talked about her becoming a professor at Virginia Tech's College of Architecture and Urban Planning in 1974, and she was teaching in the urban design program. Her students kept asking her why they weren't studying women architects. So in 1985, Milka worked with Virginia Tech to open the International Archive of Women in Architecture, or IAWA. She thought studying women architects would make architecture gender neutral. The problem wasn't that there weren't many women architects. The problem was that they didn't know who they were, where they practiced, or what they had accomplished. Milka served as the chair of the IWA Board of Advisors from 1985 to 1993. She retired at 71 
and established the Milka Bliznakov Prize, awarded annually to people whose research furthers the knowledge of women's contribution to architecture and design. Milka kept getting and donating works to the IWA until her death on November 4th, 2010 at 83 years old. So a goal for this show is to be a resource so that more people can learn about women in the AEC industry. So let's talk a little bit more about the archive and how you can use it as a resource as well. All right. So before we get into that, a brief background on the actual physical archive and to like paint the picture, if you will. The IAWA documents the legacies of more than 435 individuals, firms, organizations and exhibits from the 1890s through the present day. The permanent collections include approximately 2,000 cubic feet of documents, photographs and negatives, architectural drawings, sketches, scrapbooks, building models, presentation boards, and other materials that capture the creative process. The IAWA also collects books, biographical information, and other published materials as a part of its mission to act as a clearinghouse of information about the global history of women in architecture. The archives themselves are housed within the Special Collections section located in the Newman Library in Virginia Tech, in Blacksburg, Virginia. The archives are not generally open to the public like you would hope, but they have staff there that is willing to help you find what you are looking for. Speaking of staff, at the time that Jessica went there, I remember she told me there were 11 full-time staff members that worked in the Special Collections Department and each person or archivist is dedicated to one topic. There is an archivist dedicated to IAWA. There's even a person that is dedicated to the history of the university. The work in the archive is submitted through purchasing or donations. So in general, when it comes to archives, people will donate their work maybe to their alma mater, their hometown, or where they taught. And in some cases, if a person is pretty well-known or famous, they might sell their collection to a university. The easiest, and I guess now the most socially distant way to access the archive is to do so online. We will put all the links and brief instructions on our show notes, so no need to bring out the pen and paper. Uh, First and foremost, when going about this, it's best to go in with a game plan, a clear direction of what you're looking for and or a specific person that you are trying to find more information on. Right. Once you know that, then your research can begin. You would have to look for the arrangement section. This gives you a general overview of what type of information they have on the person, like publications, faculty research papers, etc. You can scroll down to see what is of interest to you and look at the box folder and numbers which indicate the location. You can request to see that information in a variety of ways. However, in all case scenarios, it is advised that you send your request via email days, sometimes weeks, before you actually need them because... Yeah, so all of their archives are located in different locations. Some are on site, some are in warehouses off site. And when you place your request, they have to find where it's located and then they can bring it to the main site, the IAWA, for you to see it in person. Sometimes this can be done within one to three days of the request and sometimes it can be within a week. 
So depending on what it is you actually want to see, you can also request this information to be sent to you digitally. So Jessica, you actually went to the IAWA at Virginia Tech. How was it? Yes, this was all before COVID. I took a little day trip to Virginia Tech. The campus is beautiful and the staff at the archive were actually really nice. I will say that I was hoping it would be a place where I could get lost in the stacks, thinking that it was like a library, but it's an archive. And the archive itself takes up less than half of the first floor. Um, Like I mentioned, it's located in the Newman Library and the majority of the six floors of the building are dedicated to library stacks and storage. And there's only the one little part that is for public use, um, a.k.a. the reading room that you have access to in the archive. Um, I'll be sure to include pictures in our show notes and you can always look at our social media. So I've only visited the archive in person, but Lizzie and Norjury, you both have connected with the people from IAWA for your research on some of our ladies. Can you guys further elaborate on your process? So. I reached out via email to the archive to ask if they had information on a specific lady that I was researching, and they have an online finding aid where you can at least search for someone and see if they have anything on her, and it shows a detailed list of what they have on file, like what we were mentioning before with like the boxes and folders, and... You know, if if you find something that's of interest to you, some of the items they can send digitally if you fill out a release form. Some items they can't send. They were very quick to respond via email, though, which I appreciated. Cool. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. I reached out to them and they responded within a week. And because of COVID-19, they explained it could take a little longer than usual to respond to my request. But in a week, they were able to send me what I asked for. It was really quick and helpful. I also don't think I asked for very much, so maybe that helped in getting things quickly. They're probably used to people in academia doing dissertations and needing a lot more information than I did. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Do you guys see this as a source that you would consider using in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think so. I think if they have information on a specific lady, it's a great way to get info And you know it's well vetted. That's true. But I don't know. I wouldn't ask them to send me information on every lady I'm researching because I'm afraid that I might become a burden. Really? So I do. Maybe that's just me. I feel like, too, though, some of the women like I I looked up, they only have so many women. You know what I mean? Like every woman won't be part of the archive. So I feel like on the few that they do, I may as well use it as a research or as a resource. Yeah, I remember they had information about Elizabeth Bragg, who I had a really hard time finding information on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. I Which is was I also thought it was cool that they have ladies, not just architects, anyone in the construction field might be there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, neat. Hmm. That's cool. I definitely will be using them in the foreseeable future because I'm having trouble finding information on my lady. But um, I understand what you mean, though. I do think when I visited there, I was hoping that it would be more of an independent thing that I could do. You know, I didn't realize that I would have to depend on someone to assist me. So I understand why you wouldn't want to be a burden. Nadri, you mentioned that this you could see this more in academia. But do you think you could have used this as a resource as a student? 
I mean, I think if we had an assignment to study a specific project by a certain woman, like how we studied all the various houses in first year, I think the issue was more that we didn't study works that were designed by women. If we did, I think this could have been a great resource. Yeah, I totally agree. And we need to promote more studies of women in architecture within schools. For sure. All right. Like we said, this was a mini episode. But if you have any questions about the IAWA, feel free to email us at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Like we mentioned on episode 10, the show is currently on a short break while we develop season two, and we'll be back in November. This is a great time to tell all your friends about this first season. Re-listen to your favorite episodes and start conversations about everyone you've heard. Yeah. Have you told your friends, your parents, your neighbors, given us five stars on iTunes, written us a review? Go do it now. Spread the word. Spread the word. Yeah. So don't be a stranger. If you miss us so much, come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can check out some photos, some throwback pics, and more. We'll holla back in November for season two. So go vote and talk to y'all's latest. Bye. 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 I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.